0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Hey, everybody. Welcome back inside the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. It is a Wednesday night. It is the practice report. It is brought to you by Byers Auto. Ohio State one day closer to hosting Purdue. 3.30 in the afternoon in the horseshoe. A huge Big Ten game. That's Spencer Holbrook, Tim May, and Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. Got a nice collection. Uh, almost every unit covered for the Buckeyes talking in here after practice on Wednesday A physical, up-tempo, dark one, uh, as the time has changed and shifted. So, Berm, as you listen to this team on both sides of the football prepare for Purdue, what stood out to you as uh, the most important development for these Buckeyes?
1: Self-acknowledgement, right? And and Dewan Jones said he knows the offensive line is struggling. That was his word. I, I've been reluctant to say. He was
3: very honest about a lot of things.
1: He, You know, we don't want to use the word struggling for fear of seeming like we're overreacting. But the last two weeks have been subpar. And by par, I mean what we've come to expect out of this group, not compared to the national landscape. Sure. Um, and then he Primarily said, running the ball. Right. And that's, yeah. you know, because that's about attitude. That's yeah. about running. Uh, running the ball is about wanting to be better than the guy across from you. And sometimes I think the Buckeyes know how much more talented they are. Never everyone and think they can just take a breath. And you really can't. Uh, in the Big Ten. And and Dewan said, hey, they're not giving up. They're not surrendering to the idea that they can't fix this problem. Uh, And so to me, that's the big thing. They know it's an issue and they're working on it.
0: Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there. And I asked (laughs) Dewan. I asked Dewan straight up, I said, everybody is saying that you guys are struggling. Do you see that too? And he's like, yeah, we do. We think we're struggling. The the thing that I'm taking away from this is I think Julian Fleming is, it's going to be really difficult because of the log jam that is there. But he's ready, like he is ready to make an impact. He, he's finally physically there, he's mentally there. I think he's as confident as he's ever been, which is weird considering how great he was in high school and how praised he was coming in here. I think this is a guy who you could see with, with fresh legs now, you know, hasn't had a lot of playing time. He could be one of those guys that comes in in November and makes an impact, you know, you see him all the time. You saw it in Chris Olave a couple years ago, uh, or in 2018 during his freshman season. like. There are guys who just turn it on when when they need to, and I think Julian Fleming's do. I think he's going to have a, a pretty good next few weeks. I, he, I can, I can yeah. feel it coming.
2: He made one last week. And he got he got robbed. I mean, that was a you know I don't know how, I don't know how much you can slow down a replay and not see that he has control of the ball in his left hand. But I digress. Uh, pardon the expression, berm. I like uh, the expression. Uh, what stood out to me today, but <laughs> two in the last couple of days, is these players have little reference and really don't. It doesn't seem to bother them. They don't think it has much of a play on this game. It was a 2018 upset by Purdue over there over Ohio State after that big storm blew through just before the game. And then Rondell Moore, Ohio State couldn't talk, tackle Rondell Moore, and, and uh, Purdue went off on the Buckeyes. Uh, that doesn't, doesn't seem like it's been brought up a lot this week uh, based on just conversations with these guys because that was a long time ago, as you all well know. What, what matters to them more is uh, the fact that this team upset Michigan State last week. In fact, I'm trying to remember, was that an upset or was Michigan, was Purdue favored? But anyway, they upset Michigan State last week and beat them pretty, pretty soundly when you look back on it. And so that's the team they're preparing for. I think
3: Michigan State was a three-point favorite in that game. Yeah, if it was I close. I just
2: remember being close.
3: Correctly. But, I mean, it's kind of been amusing to – hear all the questions about yeah. 2018 that is such a long time ago yeah. and the window for playing like there are guys who were around a f-
1: few guys were on that but team but very, no one played.
3: very few like Marcus Williamson was asked about it, and he's like well I was hurt I didn't participate yeah. it doesn't mean anything to me that's a Dude. guy who was on the team like the people who were key cogs in that game are not here yeah. the guy who was the head coach is not here it's so far removed from that and uh, I think you know, I would understand why the fan base may want to take it out on Purdue and get revenge and retribution because of what was taken from Ohio State on that night, pretty resoundingly um, and shockingly for those of us who were there. Yeah. But, you know, it, it doesn't have anything to do with this one. And um, I think you can put that storyline yeah. to bed.
2: The only thing is, that's, that's, that's got some symmetry there is that the fact that Purdue has to, had two big upsets so far this year, beating teams that run unbeaten, knocked them out of them beating ranks. Well, Ohio State more, doesn't have to worry about there that. There is more but.
1: symmetry, and it's the fact that Ryan Day was calling plays for Ohio State yes. that night, yes. and the Buckeyes couldn't score in the red zone, yes. and that has been a problem in the last couple weeks. And so now, I mean, there is some relation to that. Purdue's defense probably has changed quite a bit in the last four years, but it hasn't changed all that much of what they do schematically. And so you you think that Ryan Day, being the offensive mind, he is, should have an idea of how to approach that this this year. The quarterback situation is very similar uh, between now and 2018. Yes. This receiving core is significantly uh, higher end, uh, or higher ceiling, I guess, in that group in 2018, even though that was a really obviously great group with Terry McLaurin and K.J. Hill and all those guys. But there is some symmetry, and Ryan Day is the one that has to have the long memory, and he does.
2: Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, it's like I had a little thing right here screening, and you were reading the side of my head there because that's exactly what I was just fixing to bring up. And, yeah, and the thing is, you know, we're asking the offensive linemen, you know, DeJuan Jones and Nicholas Petit-Freer tonight, I mean, uh, you know, like you, like you talked about, there's a uh, they have had problems running the ball recent, you know, of, of late and it's really affecting them in the red zone more than anywhere else, in my opinion, of just not having that uh, that bite to this offense. And whether they've gotten that fixed, we're not going to know until Saturday night. But these guys, they're playing our number 16 in the nation in the red zone, you know, stopping teams in the red zone. So uh, that's a good matchup to watch.
0: And I think one of the bigger storylines that I asked Juan Jones about and I asked Nicholas petit Frere is, like, how do you block – uh, George Karloftis, one of the best defensive ends in the country, like it's a guy who just gets work done, and they said that Jack Sawyer's been been perfect for them. A, Jack Sawyer's a five-star guy who can move people, has a power rush move, but can also use the speed. I think that comparison is really interesting because I think now that they say that, I could see Jack Sawyer in a couple years being just what George Karloftis is, and so they've had a good look at what he's going to present to them on this offense, and so when you combine the red zone issues, trying to remedy those, and trying to block an All-American style player defensive end, We've got a lot of concerns for this offensive line, but I think I think they're starting to take this a little more personal than they were a, a week or two ago when they started to see the struggles happen. Uh, I think they're really starting to lock in.
3: And I think that there's a lot that you can take from that. It, it, the callbacks, not to 2018, but to week two for the Ohio State defense is that, you know, these lessons for Ohio State did come in wins, but they were not enjoyable for them. They've gone through two weeks where they had to kick eight field goals. That is not the standard for this program. It's not the standard for a team that was the number one scoring offense in the country. Um, So they did enough to win the game, and they were playing good defenses. Not not here to disparage Penn State and Nebraska. They played very well. But Ohio State has better personnel than both of those teams. Uh, And I think if they can get through a little bit of the health issues that have plagued the Ohio State offensive line, they haven't been – major things, but there Munford has missed time. You've seen Nicholas petit Frere come out of games at times. Paris Johnson, Johnson, we're not really sure exactly what it is that has slowed him down, but that's been going on for about a month now. Mm -hmm. And then Dewan Jones, who had a bad, you know, sausage McMuffin on Saturday. We got to hear all about his pregame festivities, but that caused some shuffling. And I think that the issues are schematic for one. And I think that Ryan Day will address that. Um, They've had to shuffle personnel and they they didn't have them all together a top five during the practice week leading up, and they didn't have Dewan Jones at the start of the game on Saturday. That's for two. The chemistry has been disrupted. They haven't had a first-choice unit. It's no excuse. Tre- Trevion Henderson has also been dealing with a little bit of that bruise in his knee. Again, it's November. That's going to happen. Ohio State has to get through all that, and that's what I'm to, to piggyback on Spencer there. They've now been challenged the same way the defense was in week two after two weeks of struggling. Now what are you going to do about it?
2: Well, oh, a remedy. By the way, he used the word remedy. I found out a remedy for nausea is uh, is ginger ale tonight. So uh, instead of Pepto Bismol,
3: you just found that out. No, oh,
2: I. What?
0: Come I'm on, a DeJuan, DeJuan,
2: DeJuan, uh, DeJuan. said that was his remedy on Saturday. Oh boy. You know, you go through, I use ginger ale every time I feel bad.
0: If you go through red zone issues for one week, you can chalk it up as an anomaly. You go through them for two weeks, it starts to become a trend. And so I think that that's where the challenge goes. I don't want to, you know, keep Harper on this.
2: Burm's got a great, they got to fire out and people. They got to fire out and just knock people, just knock people <laughs> off the ball. Is what they're going to do. down to attitude, and that's really—I
1: mean—that is the—that is, is the issue. It is about understanding that you are physically better than your opponent and playing like it. And in the last couple of weeks, for whatever Ohio State is doing schematically in the red zone, they are not blocking yep. people, and that is a problem that Ryan Day has to fix. And that's what he gets paid a lot of money to do. And I, I. Think you have to just assume heading into this weekend that that's what they're spending every free minute on?
2: Too many hints out there that they're going to line up and try to just fire off the ball. And, you know, basically get a little get get a little bit back to more guttural uh, offense, especially when it comes to running the ball. We'll see if in fact that happens. But clearly, teams are muddying the waters in front of them. I mean, I know that's a common term now when you, you know, when you talk about things not being clear about what you're what, what you're seeing out there. But uh, I don't, th- you know, with this offensive line as huge as it is and as as athletic as it is. There's no reason for them to be struggling in the red zone. And and
3: I think that that's where they will run it. But in yeah. terms of like trying to be physical uh, between the 20s and for the rest of the game, I don't really see that happening for this game because Purdue is suspect in the secondary and Ohio State still has C.J. Stroud, at quarterback, and three of the best wide receivers in the country to throw to now that Garrett Wilson will be back. You're saying it,
2: they're not going to be in the red zone very much? Or gonna well, just I mean, be
3: maybe not. but Throwing it, over it? You're, you know but once you get there if you get tackled inside the 20 and if you get into third and short situations obviously Ohio State will have to run the ball better there but there's so, like I don't ever think that this team is going to be 50-50 in terms of yardage in terms of play calling. Oh, I agree with that. They're far yeah. too talented through the air to do that. Uh, and certainly against this opponent, you know, I just don't I don't see that as a path forward. Even if they're challenging them, I don't think that means that you go out there and have Travion Henderson play 71 snaps and get, yeah. you know, 30 carries, That that's not good for Ohio State. That's not, you know, that's not the path forward for a team with that much talent that can exploit every secondary in the it's country. It's
1: somewhat comical. I mean, in the first six weeks of the season, we're talking about Travion Henderson needs more snaps, he needs more carries, and now yeah. the last two weeks you're like, okay, yes. can you just give this kid <laughs> <laughs> a break? When yeah. you give this kid a break? You do have Master Teague. You do have mind Williams right. that are healthy and ready to go. Make CJ run zone. it. Like, yeah. Master Teague in the red zone, that is his bread and butter. So you, you wonder if maybe Ohio State needs to bring him in that situation, let him be the hammer that he is. You also wonder why they're just not throwing the ball to the end zone when they're in the red zone because that seems to but, have been yeah. a problem last week. They've just stopped doing it. And but I don't this, know yeah. caused that. that actually is- was
3: a problem against Purdue in 2018, was throwing some of those yeah. screens to the sideline. This, like, yeah. this you is- have players and targets that, especially the tight end, you talked Jeremy Ruckert that Spencer wrote about on Wednesday. You've got Cade Stover playing better. Mitch Rossi we've seen get in the end zone, like throw it to the goal line. That would probably help.
2: This is an interesting part of the season, though, because now you're getting into the point of, you know, do you want to make a point on Saturday, for example, that you can run the ball, that you can get that yard by running the ball? Because it's always important for a team to have that confidence. Flip side of that is you want to score touchdowns, whatever it takes. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what uh, I think uh, Ryan Day is going to be juggling if in fact he has to juggle that on saturday i agree with everything you said about this uh about this purdue secondary and about any secondary high state faces Mm -hmm. the they've got the weapons to get open against every every secondary they face including if they get into the college football playoffs so why mess around go do what you do
0: yeah i guess my final point would be you know the more we talk about this the more it kind of You know, one of the things that perked up my ears was Ryan Day said, I thought you guys were going to ask me if we were throwing the ball too far. I think I do think there's a little bit of validity to that. If you if you want to read into something about, you know, there are times where he likes to prove those points. And so you wonder, you know, is it going to be one of those things where they know they can get that on Purdue? Or is it going to be one of those things where they challenge themselves and really try to run the ball? It's going to be interesting because I have no clue what they're going
2: to do. Yeah, I don't either.
1: Nothing matters except for walking out of there with a win on Saturday and playing better. Like it's not just win because there is a dynamic at play here that there are people watching and evaluating these things totally subjectively. And you do need to put (laughs) a performance together that impresses people. And Ohio State has had that five, six week stretch where they really did that and got themselves back into the national conversation. And now you have to ascend.
3: Last player off the field, a Wednesday tradition for the practice report brought to you by Byers Auto. Did you catch it? Uh, no. Tommy Eikenberg. Another guy, we've talked to Spencer and I, yeah, watched him on Saturday up in the press box, thought this guy's coming along pretty nicely, uh, certainly compared to where he was in September, uh, and the hand-wringing about Tulsa. The guy's, guy's showing up, he can hit hard, he's starting to understand the flow of the game and where he needs to be, and Ohio State needs a lot more of that. Uh, and a full game of Steel Chambers would help as well. Yeah. Uh, that should get both of those things, or could get them on Saturday at 3.30. As Purdue comes into the horseshoe, just an absolutely huge November game to determine that Big Ten championship. We will have it covered for you, as always, at Letterman Row. That's Spencer Holbrook, Tim May, Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. Enjoy the rest of your week. We will see you there on Saturday afternoon.